traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption. This is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell. I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. I'm kidding, we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. You're out of order! You're out of order! The whole trial is out of order! You! And you will hey, good afternoon. And I hope you had a terrific Victoria Day long weekend. Uh, I happened to catch a TV news program yesterday, and the reporter was conducting what we call in the news business a streeter. This is where the reporter goes out into the street with a microphone and asks people on the street a question. And the reporter was asking people on the streets of Toronto whether they knew what Victoria Day was all about. This was global news. And I'm sad to report more than half, more than half of the people in the report, and I think there were about 10, had no clue what Victoria Day means. This is sad and embarrassing. So few people in this country have seem to have any sense of history or national pride or patriotism. Of course, Queen Victoria, born on May 24th, 1837, ruled the British Empire for nearly 64 years. After ascending the throne just weeks after turning 18, and of course, she was the second longest reigning English royal in history topped only by her great, great, 
granddaughter, Queen Elizabeth II. I doubt schools even teach this. Are there any schools teaching actual Canadian history anymore? British history? The history of the Commonwealth? I'm going to make a prediction, and it's not even that bold. I'll make a prediction that within the decade, Victoria Day will be done away with as the left continues to tear down and destroy any and all vestiges of this country's past. Meanwhile, in Calgary, horrible Mayor Jyoti Gondek and their woke city council are planning an, quote, innovative approach to the traditional Canada Day celebrations. No fireworks. Instead, something called an enhanced pyrotechnic show at Fort Calgary this July 1st. The uh, enhanced pyrotechnic show will feature a visually stunning display of lights and sounds that will be launched from the main stage at Fort Calgary during the headliner act. Now get this, the new display aims to address the cultural, community, and environmental impacts of typical fireworks. This according to Franca Gualtieri, manager of arts and culture at the city of Calgary. I don't know if Calgary has any arts and culture at this point. The city of Calgary press release reads, the city of Calgary recognizes the cultural sensitivities around fireworks displays in relation to truth and reconciliation. This July marks the 100 uh, this July 1st also marks the 100th anniversary of the Chinese Immigration Act. For many Calgarians, this is a day of mourning or reflection. Calgary says the new approach will reduce traffic, noise, and overcrowding at popular viewing sites. No doubt it'll reduce crowds. Who wants to go and see this lackluster pyrotechnic display? Addressing community sensitivities. Oh, that sounds like a party, doesn't it? They want to make more room for emergency services. And limit disruptions to local wildlife. Uh, This move also respects Canada's Migratory Bird Act, which protects nesting birds during breeding and nesting periods. That's right. We we have to shut down Canada today. We don't want to... uh, We don't want to disrupt and annoy what the sandpipers the 2023 canada day celebration if you can call it that will also offer a variety of programming ranging from participatory to reflective experiences in other words the reflective experiences head your hand your head in shame canadians uh and then get ready for the uh, the parade of the drag queens i guess because they built this country or didn't you know that Feedback from citizens, community, and cultural groups will be collected over the next year to guide future decisions about Canada Day fireworks. Cultural sensitivities surrounding fireworks. What does that mean exactly? Which culture is sensitive to fireworks? Who doesn't love fireworks? The Chinese culture invented fireworks. Last time I checked, you know, every Chinese New Year in Canada, I see fireworks. I can only imagine the Canadian-hating and sad mayor of Calgary, Jody Gondek, and her woke city council will be flying the Canadian flag at half-mast. How long, in fact, before the Canadian flag is outlawed? Do you think I'm kidding? 
That's where we're heading. This is the level of stupidity and self-loathing that we have on the left in this country. Well, at the very least, I guess the, the best we can hope for is that the mayor of Calgary will not encourage the firebombing of Christian churches on Canada Day. Or maybe that's asking too much. Special rapporteur, David Johnson, that doddering old fool, says no to a public inquiry on communist Chinese interference in our elections. Longtime family friend of the Trudeaus, Justin Ski Buddy, chalet neighbor, board member of the Trudeau Foundation, also at the center of this Chinese inf- infiltration, predictably has said no to a public inquiry. Like, we didn't see this coming. I mean, it's predictable, but at the same time, it's still shocking. The typical Laurentian elite covering for his fellow Laurentian elites. I mean, this was a total conflict of interest for Johnson to take this job, special rapporteur, in the first place. I mean, that alone basically left his reputation in tatters. And now this horrible decision, I guess, basically sets fire to the remaining tatters. He's just a complete embarrassment. Which I suppose is why he's so close to Justin. They have so much in common. But hopefully this um, this will set off whoever the uh, CSIS leaker is. It'll set him off even further and he'll or she will just continue to leak more and more damaging uh, information regarding Chinese interference in our elections. And Johnson also basically called journalists like Sam Cooper and Robert Fife liars. So hopefully they'll work even harder to uncover the truth. And hopefully this will also continue to damage Trudeau and the liberals politically. You know, hey, so come to think of it, Johnson's appalling decision might be the best thing after all. More CSIS leaks. More investigations from the journalists. And uh, further damage to the liberals. Thanks, David Johnson. Here's uh, conservative leader Pierre Polyev and his reaction. I presume you watched Mr. Johnson's uh, presentation earlier today, and uh, he said that when it was, when he when he started the process, he wanted he thought that the, he would conclude there should be a public inquiry. He, inclu- he didn't come to that conclusion. Because he says there's a lot of confidential information. Now, one thing he proposes, he propo- he's going to have public hearings about things that he can talk about in public. But he also would invited the three opposition leaders, which includes you, to join ENSICOP. Would you join ENSICOP? David Johnson is Trudeau's ski buddy. Is, You're not answering uh, the question. Uh, I'll answer it how I choose. You get to ask the question, I get to answer it. Uh, I'll ch- I'll choose how I answer it. And the answer is... That David Johnson is a ski buddy, chalet neighbor, family friend, and member of the Trudeau Foundation. He has no business in this job because it is a fake job that he is incapable of doing impartially. And none of his recommendations can be taken seriously because he's in a conflict of interest. And frankly, it's incredible that he didn't even mention the Trudeau Foundation in his report, even though publicly available intelligence showed that the dictatorship in Beijing had given money to the Trudeau Foundation for the express purpose of buying the love and loyalty 
of Justin Trudeau, the prime minister of Canada. Now, Johnson is part of the Trudeau Foundation. So, of course, he wouldn't want to investigate himself. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Bye. Frankly, that's why he should have recused himself. Uh, As for any proposals he might have to silence me, the answer is no, I will not be silenced. Thank you. There you go. Conservative leader Pierre Polyev. All right. Coming up on the show today, a former national security official under President Trump says the FBI and the DOJ are intending to rig the 2024 U.S. presidential election. Bob Unruh from WND will be here last order of business in the second hour. There are conflicting reports about who controls the Ukrainian city of Bakhmut in eastern Ukraine, site of one of the bloodiest and most protracted battles in Europe since World War II. The Wagner Group, this is a private Russian paramilitary organization, claim they've won the battle. Over the weekend, Ukraine is denying this. Lieutenant Colonel Bob McGinnis, U.S. Army retired, will be here in the second hour with his thoughts. Coming up this hour, Beijing has more diplomats in the city of Montreal than all of France. Think about that. While Canada hosts just 23 fewer Chinese diplomats than the entire United States. That's according to recent figures from Global Affairs Canada. That's very curious. Christopher Oldcorn from the Western Standard will be here this hour to discuss. But first, special rapporteur David Johnston, predictably, appallingly, says no to a public inquiry on communist Chinese interference in our elections. Tom Korski from Black's BlackRock Reporter is next. The Richard Serrett Show, off and running for Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023. Facta non verba. We're back as the Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk Saga 960 AM. All right, welcome back. Special rapporteur David Johnson says no to a public inquiry. Tom Korski, managing editor, Black Locks Reporter, is here. Hey, Tom, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Richard. Uh, so if you had to say, sum it up in a word um, regarding his opinion, are you A, shocked, B, um, uh, you, well, I can't put it to one word, uh, shocked, or did you think this was predictable? Shocked, or was this just predictable for you? I was surprised. I thought he would give an inch. He didn't even give an inch, Richard. I thought he would uh, give a little bit, maybe have the Commissioner of Elections hold an inquiry, maybe have Elections Canada hold public investigations. Didn't give an inch. I thought it was a lazy report by an old man, forgive my candor. And he decided he's smarter than Parliament, that voted for a public inquiry. 
172 to 150, everyone except liberal MPs. He decided, based on his inside knowledge, I'm using air quotes, that he didn't see any evidence. If you stare at your shoes, you're not going to find evidence. I'm going to give you my favorite part of his report where he says, I hope you're sitting down for this one. He I says am. that the MP for Don Valley North, Han Dong, now an independent, was in contact with a Chinese consulate in Toronto during the 2021 election campaign. <laughs> are you kidding? Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? And what would they have been discussing? Would they be discussing um, constituency matters, which is what MP Dong uh, said in describing his numerous contacts with the ambassador and the Chinese consul in Toronto? What in God's name would an MP running for parliament in the middle of an election be doing contacting the Chinese consul? Well, Dave Johnson doesn't know because he didn't ask, because he decided there was nothing to see. Are you kidding me? Oh, dear. Um. So a couple of things here. Um, what what's going to happen, do you think, now with the the leaks? I, I, I'm imagining that the who's ever doing this at CSIS are going to be so ticked off by David Johnston that they're just going to open the floodgates. floodgates. Do, you, do you anticipate more leaks from CSIS coming forward? Well, or even even if there's not leaks, Richard, even just basic gumshoe reporting work by members of parliament. And there are now three House committees who are looking at this, and they have come up with some very compelling data. And they will continue to do this. David Johnson has played himself out of the hand. When you decide, I'm in charge, I'm lazy, I'm not going to even bother looking, everyone listen to me now Why? I have pointless public hearings on process. That's not going to cut it. He didn't want to give an inch, so you die on that. MPs have to run with this now. Didn't he also? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, not at all. Go ahead, Richard. Oh, I'm just going to say now, basically, he also uh, called. I don't know. He didn't mention them by name, but essentially he called Sam Cooper and Robert Fife liars. Yeah, but he didn't address the substance of their reports. My no. favorite is Han Don. He, he critiques what Global News reported in terms of MP Dong's conversations about foreign affairs with Chinese diplomats. Uh, I have to be frank. I don't give a damn what they were talking about. What are you doing making the call? Who made the call? You find me an MP who calls the Russian ambassador in the middle of an election campaign and no one finds that suspicious. Or we didn't talk about the war. What the hell are you doing? Excuse my language. That's the problem with Johnson's report. They wanted that report. You know, and Polyev says that there's something to it. That's the report they wanted. And that's the report they got. This could have been written by the prime minister's office. Hmm. Uh, we'll take a quick time out. Tom Korski, managing editor, Blacklocks reporter, stays with us. We'll uh, continue to discuss special rapporteur David Johnson's hard no on a public inquiry into communist Chinese infiltration and interference in our elections. Back with more of the Richard Serrett Show right after these. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serrett Show. Tom Korski, Managing Editor, Blacklocks Reporter, stays with us. Blacklocks.ca, support independent media, blacklocks.ca. Uh, we're talking about David Johnson, special rapporteur, 
earlier this afternoon said no to a public inquiry into Chinese uh, interference. As you mentioned earlier, Tom, the, the House of Commons Parliament voted, passed a motion uh, demanding a, a, a public inquiry. Only the Liberals voted against it. Uh, now, what can they do? I mean, can they can they grind parla- the business of Parliament to a halt at this point and, and just, uh, I don't know, filibuster everything, refused? I don't know. What can they do? Well, you know who the man on the spot is. That's uh, New Democrat leader Jagmeet Singh. He's the guy who signed the famous supply agreement in 2022 that uh, promised uh, unanimous 25 NDP votes in the minority parliament. That's enough to pass all major legislation in exchange for concessions on some bills that New Democrats want, like pharmacare. So Mr. Singh was asked today, does the 44th Parliament survive or not? Is it time to put it out of its misery? Well, I can't make that decision today, he said. But we should have a public inquiry. We were going to use our tools. Reporter asks, well, is one of those tools having an election? Just pull the plug. Well, I'm not going to decide that today. He said it half a dozen times. There is a sense, Richard, that the 44th Parliament is a barrel headed for Niagara Falls. There's no happy ending here. The only question now is timing. Because this is all in MPs' hands. MPs, they are currently on break just this week. They can come back next week. They could do this in 20 minutes. They can compel a public inquiry. And there's only one man who can do that, because guess what? The Bloc Quebecois and the Conservative leader are already on the record. Mm -hmm. They said a public inquiry, this was a sham. Enough is enough. All right. So any sense what uh, you think Jagmeet will do? Well, I didn't call the David Johnson report. Right, so I, <laughs> I, I am officially out of the forecasting business. You know, it's Ottawa. It's May. So I guess we can always bet on inertia. Maybe nothing happens. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Uh, what what kind of signal does this send to our allies who are already a little uh, unsettled by uh, Canada's lackluster attitude towards, you know, national security issues? Like, for instance, the United States and Australia that have mm-hmm. foreign agent registrations. Yeah. Public registries. I, I think it says that we're not right up to where that standard is. And and I, I guess the larger question is what what is message does that send to the electorate? I think people are hot on this. I don't think that this is a narrow Picayune issue. When you hear MPs from far-flung parts of our country, whether it's British Columbia or Trois-Rivières, Quebec, MPs saying, I walk down the street and people are hot on this. They're pretty jacked up. They want to know what's going on with Chinese agents and whether our vote is on the level. And if any MP thinks they can somehow, you know, have process or they're going to do a Dave Johnson, can we use that phrase now till 2025? (laughs) Can you imagine what the next two years would be like? Yeah, I, you know, you're right. It takes an awful lot, I think, to unite Canadians. This this may have done it finally. They nailed it. <laughs> they nailed it. Um, what else? Could, what else need be said? Uh, I, I guess the only other consideration, not that it really matters at this point, I suppose, but what's left of David Johnston's uh, reputation? I mean, I think it was in tatters simply by accepting this position with all the inherent conflict of interest. Now, I, I said he's he set fire to the to the tatters of his reputation. What happens to him now? 
Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Yeah, well, he is 82, and and he probably should have retired some time ago. This would sort of be an argument for mandatory retirement. I'm a gray beard myself, not 82. Uh, there is a moment where you have to hang up the cleats. I've never been, I've, I've never gotten the Dave Johnson magic, even when he was governor general, my two cents. He's a, Canada's been good to David Johnson. He's had a succession of very lucrative and happy federal appointments. And mm. I understand that he saw this as one more run. And when he says, I'd like to have hearings maybe later, and you can you can come if you want. Come on, come all. <laughs> and we're going to talk about process. We're going to talk about how we define foreign interference. It's going to be an exercise in being pedantic and irrelevant. Won't you come down and share your thoughts? Meanwhile, there's there's steam Richard, we always say, if there's steam, that means water's boiling. You try to put a lid on that, all you do is make a bomb. I think he made a bad mistake today. Uh, finally, uh, the Trudeau Foundation. He was a board member. It's still kind of at the center of this whole um, subject. Uh, they had a mass exodus from their board. Is anybody going to touch that place with a 10-foot pole? Uh, the suspicion now is MPs are asking for uh, notes from Canada Revenue Agency on audits. Why is there has there not been an audit of this charity? What do you need, videotape? Like, how much does it take? You're right. Board resigned, CEO resigned. They uh, they submitted documents that obscured the Chinese source of a six figure donation. Are you kidding me? What what more does it take, says the little mom and pop charity that, that is routinely audited by the CRA. MPs are so hot on this. And you know why, Richard? It's because their constituents are hot. They're getting an earful on this, and it really matters. All right. Well, the next few days and weeks should be interesting, we hope. Uh, David or um, Tom Korski, I was going to say David Johnston uh, on the in the spotlight. Uh, Tom Korski, managing editor, Blacklocks reporter. Uh, great job as always. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. All right. When we come back, continuing along with this uh, theme, isn't it interesting in light of all this that a Trudeau appointed senator is opposing a foreign agents registry amid rising anti-Chinese sentiment. Uh, Christopher Oldcorn uh, will be with us, Saskatchewan reporter for the Western Standard. He's next right here on The Richard Serrett Show. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. All right, welcome back. 
First hour of today's program is all about communist Chinese infiltration into our country, our electoral process. Christopher Oldcorn is a Saskatchewan reporter for the Western Standard and the Saskatchewan Standard, and uh, he joins us now. Hey, Christopher, how are you? I'm doing well, Richard. How are you? Very well. Before we get into um, this liberal appointed senator uh, who recently expressed concerns about an an extreme anti-China sentiment in Canada, let me get your take on uh, David Johnston, special rapporteur David Johnston, uh, his announcement earlier today. No public inquiry onto Chinese election interference. Uh, Well, um, without a public inquiry, like the public hearings that, that he's talking about, uh, that ba- they basically have no power. For example, they can't subpoena someone to come and testify in front of them. So you have to come willingly. And it really just kind of sounds like they're going to do some sort of tour across Canada and let the public speak out against, um, you know, foreign interference in our elections, but, but not really dig down and, and get anywhere with it. Uh, what happens behind the scenes and what continues uh, now with the government, we'll see what happens there. I mean, they're hiding behind the, you know, this is sensitive information and we can't let it out publicly because, you know, there could be people and, and it could be true that there could be people who could be put in danger um, if uh, some of the intelligence information comes out. But there there's no reason why some of it couldn't come out, at least redacted, uh, to at least give the public um, an idea of, of what happened and, and what's continuing to go on. Right. At least what we know of. I mean, obviously, we won't, we, the government won't know everything that's going on, but they can they could give at least a, you know, a bird's eye view picture of what happened over the last two elections, for example. Didn't Johnson in so many ways, not in well, he didn't name anybody by name, but didn't he essentially also uh, label that, you know, the the reporters that broke this story like fake news and liars? Uh, yeah, he didn't go quite that far to say it, but he sure as heck inferred it. Um, the the way he worded it was quite interesting in that he kind of said, well, they only have like part of the picture, not the full picture, um, which is true, because obviously the Global Mail doesn't have, you know, CSIS's database of all the information. However, uh, we do have a pretty good idea of what happened based on the, the documents that did come out and the reporting that was there. It's not and, like it's completely false. It, it's it's right. Yeah. It's very close to the truth. If not the truth, we just will and, never know because they're not going to release anything more beyond it. And who's ever behind these leaks at CSIS, whether it's an individual or a group, obviously they were pushing. Um, I think it's pretty safe bet. They were, they were pushing for a, a public inquiry. That's why they were leaking this information to the press. Now they're not going to get it. Do you think this is going to just open the floodgates? They're going to be so ticked off with Johnson's hard no on a public inquiry that they're just going to start leaking and leaking and leaking. I don't know. And it also depends too. how far up the food chain is the person that leaked the information. Do does that person have all the information that they could leak that would give us that accurate picture of what's going on? Or is this someone who's low level and actually doesn't have access to all the information that could be leaked out uh, to give us a a more complete picture of uh, what happened and what is going on? All right. That leads us to liberal appointed Senator Yuen Pao Wu from British Columbia who, uh, in the midst of all of this, seems more concerned about extreme anti-China sentiment in Canada. And, of course, he um, he's very much opposed to a foreign agent's registry. He wants Canadians to sign a petition. I mean, I, 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 my sense is Canadians have never been more united in, in, in their disdain for 
uh, the liberal cover-up and and for the potential, you know, seriousness of this Chinese interference. And yet here we have Senator Yuan Pao Wu saying, uh, you know, no to a foreign uh, agent's registry. Uh, your thoughts? Uh, he was appointed by Trudeau. Uh, so that's an interesting uh, side note. And I did actually look up the petition. It's actually on the government's website. And he has just under 2,300 signatures. So he's got about a 36 more million to go to get the support of Canadians. So what is uh, what would a foreign agents registry um, accomplish? I know they have one in the United States. They've had one for some time. Um, yes. What does it do? Uh, basically, what it means is that if you work for a foreign government or lobby on behalf of a foreign government or a foreign corporation, when you come into the country, you would just fill out a form saying, yes, I represent company X in China and I'm here because we're trying to sell X. Um, and that's basically what it amounts to. It's not um, it's not like CSIS is going to do some big background check on them before they come in. They'll come in a normal way. It's just one extra form you have to fill out. And, and there's not that many that even uh, filled out in the States. Right now, there's just over 500 people on that list that you just mentioned in the U.S., which, by the way, they've been doing since the beginning of World War II. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I would imagine most countries, uh, most uh, dem- democratic countries would have such a foreign registry. Is there, an, is there any explanation or any good reason not to have one? Not that I can think of. I, I, it just makes sense. And, and other countries do it, not just the U.S. And it, it's in the country's best interest to know uh, who's coming in, particularly if they're trying to lobby a government or are they trying to influence like, uh, you know, a donation to the Trudeau Foundation, for example, because uh, it's not just lobbying the government is are they lobbying universities? Are they lobbying other companies? Are they all lobbying individuals? There's all these different aspects to what could go into someone who works for a foreign government in our country. Now, some could be completely um, innocent. I mean, you know, we have uh, about 160 American lobbyists approximately in the country right now. And obviously there's a lot of business goes on between Canada and the U S and it makes a lot of sense that there would be a lot of people uh, in Canada, you know, pushing American companies to do work or coming into the country to, uh, to do work and having to lobby through the government, get through the whole process of getting things approved and things like that. So it, it makes total sense to have one. And most of the people on the list are benign. They're not, you know, spies. But it, the the point is, you're trying to find the few that are. Um, and so far, we haven't been very successful at that. But we don't have a list to go off of anyways. Well, we did. Uh, we did um, expel one spy, Chinese spy Zhao Wei. And uh, yes. Senator Wu um, didn't seem too pleased with that and ridiculed uh, Canadians for, um, um, you know, protesting against communist Chinese agents in Canada. So, I mean, I guess the, the term that comes to mind with Senator Wu would be tone deaf at this point. Uh, Christopher Oldcorn is with the Western Standard. We'll take a quick time out, come back and we'll discuss. Oh, this is interesting. Speaking of uh, foreign agents, Beijing has more diplomats in the city of Montreal alone than in all of France. And Canada has just about, well, just 23 fewer Chinese diplomats in total than the entire United States. That's a curious thing. We'll discuss that on the other side. Christopher Oldcorn, Western Standard, stays with me back with more of our conversation in three minutes. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Welcome back. And we continue to discuss... 
communist Chinese infiltration into this country, interference in our elections, Canada has, or I should say, the communist Chinese have 138 diplomats in this country, one of whom was expelled as a spy, Zhao Wei, the Chinese uh, consul in Toronto, um, who was expelled after it became known he had targeted members of conservative MP Michael Chong's family in Hong Kong. One has to wonder then, where there's one spy, there could be others. How many of the 138 Chinese diplomats are here doing sinister things? I think that's a fair question. Christopher Oldcorn is a Saskatchewan reporter for the Western Standard and Saskatchewan Standard Support Independent Media, westernstandard.news. Christopher, uh, to that question, uh, I mean, that is a fair question, is it not? How many of these 138 are spies? Yeah, we don't know. Um, Obviously, our security services probably have a rough idea of some of them. Um, But uh, as of right now, we don't seem to have any idea of how many are. And there is obviously some troubling things that have happened. For example, you know, the translation services for the uh, donation to the Trudeau Foundation, that somehow there needed to be some diplomats there with regards to that donation. Uh, and, and I think Barrett said it best, uh, the conservative MP. He said, like, no, like, that's completely absurd that you're telling us that you didn't have like anybody there who spoke English or French and you had to bring translation services from the uh, from the embassy, like from the consulate there, it's like, it's, 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 it's quite, it's quite a stretch to think that you would send 18 diplomats to Montreal and none of them spoke English or French. Well, the other question is why so many, uh, even there was a house of Commons standing committee on procedure and house affairs. And they had heard from some expert witnesses who raised concerns about the high number of diplomats Beijing has stationed in Canada. Uh, why so many and Montreal in particular? Yeah, that's quite interesting because um, other French speaking nations uh, don't have anywhere near that amount. I mean, Switzerland has four. France has five, which is you know, the largest French speaking nation on the planet. But somehow China needs 18. So it begs the question on, on what's the purpose of that office in Montreal? Now, it could just simply be that that office there deals with a lot of Chinese people on the East Coast in Quebec um, that need help from the Chinese government for some reason. Um, however, that does seem to be a fairly high number compared to everybody else. Um, as far as how many they have across Canada, um, I mean, if most of them are involved in some sort of you know, trade relations, things like that. I'm sure a good chunk of them are here for good reasons. But if there's, like you said, if we found one that's not here for, you know, a good reason, um, there's bound to be others. And considering we're up against China as a superpower in the world, uh, it would make sense that they would be trying to spy on us. Just like we uh, uh, sent four uh, diplomats home to uh, Russia five years ago. Yes. Um, Yes. Yeah. So it's not the first time we've expelled diplomats. It won't be the last. The question just becomes, who who do we expel and who's here for honest reasons? Well, it does seem there seems to be some reticence, though, in expelling uh, Chinese diplomats, Um, uh, for example, liberal MP. And so there's some, you know, agreement even among the liberals, liberal MP, Commons National Defense Committee chair, John McKay, said he anticipates more expulsions. Uh, We mentioned Zhao Wei being expelled. Uh, He said, I expect more diplomats will be expelled one way or another. And um, he later then said, these people, 
referring to the Chinese diplomats, bear no relationship to diplomats. They're not really interested in persuading you. They're interested in intimidating you. Uh, pretty strong words from a liberal MP. Yes. And uh, if we just look at the uh, the one case where we did expel someone, um, he was threatening uh, the family in Hong Kong. So now we have to kind of look at and be like, OK, what MPs have family in China that could be influenced? And then you can create a short list to look into to find out, OK, who could be getting influenced by some of these diplomats who are, are, are really not diplomats. Uh, they're they're spies and they're trying to influence the Canadian government, um, not in the way you're supposed to as a diplomat. <laughs> they have some extracurricular activities going on. Well, good questions. Questions that may be raised. Well, what during maybe a public inquiry? Oh, wait, no, we can't have one of those. No, we have a public hearing, which is only for people that want to show up. Right. Which will be what more uh, looking into the process, uh, the process, for example, uh, you know, how information is funneled through from CSIS to, uh, I guess, the, 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 the cabinet and so forth. So not really investigating whether there's any substance to these allegations of Chinese interference, more just examining the process. Yes. And, and to make a more clear process going forward. Now, Trudeau said he didn't know two years ago about this, even though it was sent to his office. Um, maybe there was some sort of communication breakdown there or Trudeau knows. We don't know. We'll probably never know because there isn't a public inquiry, but we can at least figure out a process so that when this happens again in the future, which it's going to happen again, China's not taking their bat and ball and going home. They're, they're still here. Um, we can have a process in place to protect our MPs and particularly protect our politicians during election time as well, because that's the most important part, because that's where you and I get to go to a ballot box and pick who we want to represent us for the next you know, four to five years. And, and that is something we need to protect. We are a democracy. We constantly are at the top of the list of democracies in the world, and we need to continue to be that shining light of democracy for the rest of the world to follow. Uh, final question, uh, Chris, do you think there's any chance we still could get a, a public inquiry if the uh, the NDP once again joining forces with the conservatives and the bloc uh, once again introduce another motion compelling the, the uh, Trudeau government to call for public inquiry? I guess that depends on whether or not Jagmeet Singh might want to go to an election. Because hmm. uh, if they pull their support from the Trudeau government, that's going to trigger an election as well. Um, and not only just could they trigger a, a public inquiry, but it could they could cause the Trudeau government to fall if, if they lose the support of the NDP, particularly on like confidence motions and stuff like that. So I, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, before Singh was very adamant about a public inquiry. Um, maybe they're going to introduce another motion with the conservatives and the bloc for public inquiry. Uh, the question becomes on how far they're going to actually push for it. Yeah, I guess it, it all depends. It all comes down to this. Do the NDP federally have enough money in their their war chest to to, to launch another uh, election campaign? Otherwise, I guess they'll uh, they'll side with the liberals. Christopher Oldcorn is with the Western Standard, westernstandard.news, westernstandard.news. Christopher, thank you as always. Thank you, Richard. Have a great day. You too. All right. When we come back. Lieutenant Colonel Bob McGinnis, U.S. Army retired, will be here. We'll talk about the battle for Bakhmut. 
uh, the Wagner Group, which is a, a private Russian paramilitary organization. They claimed over the weekend they now have control of uh, the city in eastern Ukraine. Ukrainians say no. There's still street fighting going on. It's um, it's still not over. We'll uh, we'll get to that as well. We'll talk with Bob Onruh from WND about this Trump national security official who says the FBI and the DOJ are intending to rig the 2024 U.S. presidential election. Back with more of the Richard Serrett Show, Hour 2, coming your way in just moments. Stay with us. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption. This is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Meaning we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this gun with through her eyes if you really want to see something. Welcome to Hour 2 of The Richard Serrett Show. And if you missed Hour 1, you missed a lot. But don't beat yourself up. Still plenty of great programming coming your way this hour. Bob Unruh, reporter with WND, will be here. Interesting story. Uh, over the weekend, Deputy National Security Advisor under President Trump, KT McFarland, was uh, interviewed by Maria uh, Bartiromo from uh, Fox about the Durham report the uh, and the special prosecutor's conclusion that the FBI and the Democrats. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Uh, claims about Trump and Russian collusion were based on no evidence at all. And McFarland said in the interview that the FBI, the Justice Department and the CIA are planning to rig the upcoming 2024 U.S. presidential election. Again, Bob Unruh from WND. We'll be here to discuss that. Also this hour, your calls, 289-275-9600. It's been, uh, well, with a long weekend, it's been uh, about four days since we've had a chance uh, to talk. And um, I'll open the lines 
towards the bottom of the hour, 289-275-9600. Also over the weekend, uh, Russia's private paramilitary organization, the Wagner Group, uh, claimed that they had essentially control of the eastern Ukrainian city of Bakhmut, the site of uh, one of the bloodiest and most protracted battles in Europe since the Second World War. And uh, Zelensky, who was appearing at the G7 uh, conference in Hiroshima, Japan, uh, denied that the Russians had taken control over Bakhmut. Uh, So who's telling the truth? What's the real situation on the ground there? Uh, We're going to get into that right now with Lieutenant Colonel Bob McGinnis, U.S. Army retired, airborne ranger, infantry officer, military analyst, and the author of Kings of the East, China's plan to eliminate America and impose a communist world order. Bob, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing well, Richard. Thanks for having me. So uh, who's telling the truth here? Does uh, does the Wagner Group have effective control over uh, Bakhmut uh, or is there still intense fighting going on? You know, it really depends upon how you define is. Um, yeah, the, the reality is that the, it's been a bloody you know, engagement over the last 10 months. The Wagner, of course, have they've been complaining vociferously to the Kremlin and the senior people that they haven't been getting sufficient munitions. Uh, that would indicate that uh, they're not doing as well as they'd like. But the White House indicates that uh, the Russians have suffered about 100,000 casualties. 20,000 of those are dead. And so that's a pretty hefty um, hole. Now, the Ukrainians don't publicize their numbers, but they've taken a lot of casualties. And, of course, the city is basically a skeleton of what it once was. Uh, who's telling the truth? I don't know that we'll know uh, until you know the cameras can start going in and the shelling stops. Um, so I'm not really sure at this point. Well, the fact that um, uh, Wagner head Prigozhin is, as you say, I mean, he's a bit of a, a loose cannon, no pun intended, in, in that he's not shy about telling you how he feels. You know, he was upset with the Russian military, as you say, for not providing uh, enough support, ammunition and so forth. So for now, for him to come around and say, yes, we've taken control of Bakhmut. I mean, do you, should we weigh that into the equation that he, he tends to be very forthcoming and, and not shy about telling you how he feels? Oh, yeah. I think that that's absolutely essential. You know, he, you know, of course, he's been very critical. He even called grandpa, quote, an imbecile. Now, there was a, some implication that he was referring to Vladimir Putin. But, of course, uh, that, that would get him in trouble. So he was more uh, distant in his you know, implication because he had publicly gone after the defense minister and also after the senior generals. Uh, but, you know, he's not a happy camper. He is getting paid quite well uh, to do his mercenary work, not only in Ukraine, but all over uh, essentially Africa, uh, other places in the world. And, you know, he may be telling the truth. But like I say, we won't know until, you know, really objective people get into Bakhmut and look around, they'll probably find very few civilians that are alive. Uh, and I suspect that uh, he's telling more truth than he is a lie. What is, uh, why is Bakhmut um, so strategically important? I mean, people are saying the entire war may rest upon 
uh, Bakhmut and maybe Odessa, but B- Bakhmut and I guess it's kind of a, the, the, the city to the north, Solodar, uh, where all these salt mines are located. Uh, why those, th- that region, why is that so uh, important to the, for the outcome of this war? You know, I, I suppose that it, certainly the minerals uh, have something to do with it. The strategic location, though, it's it's sort of a linchpin on your between Russia and going down to Crimea. Keep in mind, Crimea is absolutely essential to uh, the Kremlin because of its access to uh, the Black Sea, uh, and and therefore a loss of that area all the way to the sea itself uh, would result in. Uh, a major uh, loss by the uh, by the Russians, and so I really see it as a linchpin, not as a uh, yeah, as a, a jewel that has to be held because of its minerals. Even though the East has uh, sufficient minerals that are rather attractive to the Russians. Um, just wondering though the in the 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 underground tunnels and these salt mines, um, would they be used for fortification um, for, I don't know, to store weaponry, to store personnel, uh, to house personnel? Well, of course. Anytime you can find cover and concealment and protection, you would use that. Now, the Russians themselves, I think that they've shot up much of their good weaponry that they could spare that weren't, you know, at the uh, really the, the palace guard there at the Kremlin where they keep their better tanks. Uh, but, you know, they're using, Richard, some of their old equipment, their T-55, T-62s, some very old artillery. Uh, and, of course, um, the munitions aren't, you know, really uh, because they're so old and have been in, in storage in arsenals for a long time. They just are not functioning at the rate in which we're accustomed to in the West. So there are a host of things, but I I don't know that the the caves were necessarily hiding any additional munitions. Uh, I don't think the Russians have additional munitions to spare. And what about the Ukrainians? Uh, There are reports that their their forces are pretty much depleted. They took much heavier losses than we were uh, led to believe, according to that uh, Pentagon uh, leak. Um, What kind of a counteroffensive can the Ukrainians uh, pose now that, you know, the rainy season is over and, and, um, you know, they're under some considerable pressure, even from the U.S.? You know, if you want more money, we have to see some results here. You know, they are under a lot of pressure, and they're especially concerned about the Republicans who are, you know, threatening in, you know, at least the House. Uh, and then, of course, they're concerned about a second possible term by Donald Trump, who has already said that, you know, we've sent too many weapons to the Ukrainians. So all of that's in the mix. And they do have to show results. If they're going to get progress and they're going to earn more weaponry, yeah, from the likes of the U.S., where we've already given an excess of $30 billion worth of weapons and more pouring in all the time. Now, you know, you could have blamed uh, the weather to a certain degree. It was a it was a tough winter. And then, of course, the ground was pretty soggy. So they're not going to use you know, wheel vehicles all that well until here recently. So with that, and also they've been waiting for a replenishment of a arsenal. They've been firing a tremendous amount of artillery and other munitions uh, wasted arguably on, you know, the linchpin Bakhmud. Uh, but, you know, given all those factors and, of course, uh, 
the slowness, they argue, the Zelensky does, of arriving munitions that, you know, they just haven't launched this much promised spring. Now it's going to become a summer offensive. I do think that they'll make some efforts in the east. Uh, they really need to uh, if they're going to keep uh, the momentum you know, from the west pouring in to help them fight the Russians. Now, I do believe that you know, what we saw on Monday uh, at Belgorod, the you know, 350,000-person city just inside southern Russia where you had a couple of you know, what arguably are uh, militias that are against uh, the Russian war, uh, they poured in, they really took over a number of villages, so this sort of action, taking the offensive inside Russia, uh, is a more of a twist. Now, of course, we've already had the drone issues uh, in Moscow. That was allegedly a pro-Ukrainian effort. And then, of course, one against a strategic air force base just south of Moscow. So if this is where we're heading, more incursions into Russia, uh, more stalemates in the likes of Bakhmud, uh, and so forth. And, of course, internal disputes between Wagner and some of the political foes that uh, Putin has. Uh, this could be an interesting uh, forthcoming year. Uh, we'll take a quick time out and come back, discuss further. Lieutenant Colonel Bob McGinnis, the author of Kings of the East, China's plan to eliminate America and impose a communist world order available at Amazon. Back with more of our conversation in two minutes. Welcome back to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. We are back with Lieutenant Colonel Bob McGinnis, U.S. Army retired or airborne ranger military analyst, the author of Kings of the East, China's plan to eliminate America and impose a communist world order. Um, in order to, to launch a, a spring summer um, uh, offensive, uh, the Ukrainians are said to have about 80,000 um, soldiers uh, of that per- of the 80,000, Bob, any idea what what percentage would be actually, you know, properly trained professional soldiers? Are we talking about 20 of 20,000, 30,000? Yeah, it, we have we NATO have trained in excess of 100,000 Ukrainians for war. Now, how many of them are uh, actually engaged in you know combat? That's to be determined. Um they have, you know, they're outpacing their counterparts in Russia. But you know, Ukraine is a small country, relatively, uh, when compared to 250 million population of Russia. And, of course, Putin has already called up 700,000. And, you know, he's desperate. He may call up more uh, through mobilization. So, you know, I think what's really the the linchpin here is the technology and we know that Zelensky with G7 over in Japan was asking once again for more high Mars long range missiles, uh, more armored vehicles. And, of course, just the other day, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz you know, said, that, you know, we'll give you three billion dollars more. We'll give you 30 more tanks, 100 more armored vehicles. And, of course, the U.K., as well as France, ended up with long range cruise missiles now. That's music to the ears of the likes of Zelensky and his generals, because once again, that's going to give them the means to uh, reach out and touch Russian logistical targets uh, deep inside Russia. Now, 
is this going to cause a much broader war? That's always the argument. Um, but Russia doesn't have the appetite at this point, much less the armament and the manpower uh, to extend it, the war much more than they already have. They've been tied down by Ukraine. I don't think that the Poles are truly at, at threat right now, much less the Finns or the Baltic countries and the like. Um, it is a bloodbath. It will continue as far as I can see for uh, the near term. And unless the Chinese can pull a rabbit out of the hat as they would like and uh, persuade Putin to you know, kind of pull back a bit and Zelensky to you know, really uh, allow the Russians to keep what they've already captured. Um, you mentioned the polls. Uh, it was reported that um, uh, Poland's leader is uh, urging Zelensky to sue for peace. Uh, Poland may be getting a little nervous, obviously. You've got uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, Russian troops near the Polish border. Um, do you get the sense that there may be some cracks now uh, in the uh, the NATO alliance and, and, and countries are, are getting just a little maybe fed up and, and deciding enough is enough? It's time for Zelensky and Putin to sit down? Yeah, there are a couple of issues there. Certainly, President Orban in Hungary has been very much against this war. Uh, he, he certainly is tied emotionally to what's going on. Uh, the Poles are, are, you know, they've had a lot of immigrants, refugees from from Ukraine, and they've paid a price for that. And, of course, they've been the first to equip the Ukrainians with what they can spare. And at the same time, they've been buying left and right everything they can from the South Koreans, from the U.S. and others uh, to re uh, arm their own arsenals. And so, you know, they are concerned, um, but I don't think that they need to be all too concerned. Now, th- there is something in the mix that just came out, and that is, you know, it appears as if in July, when the NATO summit takes place in Lithuania, that we're going to find the creation of what's called the Ukraine-NATO Council, which will basically... Uh, as sold to the Ukrainians, be a gateway to future membership in NATO for the Ukrainians. Now, of course, that's not good news for the Russians, um, but it is good news for Ukrainians because an Israeli-style security agreement will allow them to not only get the type of arms flow that they need consistently into the future, uh, but it also undermines a Moscow strategy that uh, is that they were going to wait out uh, the West that would grow tired, as you indicated, of this war and then begin to really pull back and not equip uh, the Ukrainians to sustain a long term fight. So uh, there's uh, there's a lot of politics taking place right now. I, I think what's interesting, though, Richard, is the F-16 uh, has now been offered up. Uh, by a number of countries in NATO uh, to the Ukrainians. And in fact, you know, training has already commenced uh, with a number of countries. And Mr. Biden said at uh, Hiroshima uh, a couple of days ago that essentially what the Russians were calling a colossal risk, he basically said it is a risk for the Russians, not for the Ukrainians. So uh, with that in mind, the Ukrainians are really counting on not only uh, sustained, develop, uh, s- 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 sustained 
delivery of very sophisticated weapons, but now uh, they're going to would appear to be getting some of the F-16s. And what they're really going to argue for is not just the platform, but they really need the armaments, the, the missiles, the rockets, the bombs that would be hung on an F-16. And that we haven't heard yet. Uh, but if they get you know, the air-to-air missiles, the air-to-surface missiles, the anti-ship missiles, that will really be a game changer, arguably, if they get enough of those and enough F-16s in the coming months, as early as possibly this fall, uh, that could uh, really jeopardize what Moscow is trying to accomplish over there. I think Canada has committed uh, some F-16s and, and training as well, but the training could take what? It could take up to a year, I think, to train, uh, to fly an F-16, could it not? Well, yeah, th- there's a modification of that. Some of the allies are saying, you send us uh, Russian-trained fighter pilots, we will turn them into F-16 pilots in maybe three or four months. Hmm. Now, I'm not an F-16 pilot, and I don't don't even appear on television as one. (laughs) Yeah, I'm told that that is not uh, a a tough issue. Now, keep in mind, we train Patriot um, battery teams from Ukraine at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, and turn them back in a very short period of time. And it would appear as if they've been reasonably effective against even hypersonic missiles that the Russians have shot at Kiev. And so th- there are a lot of variables here, but this appears to be a significant effort by all the players to enhance Ukraine's capabilities against the Russians. Lieutenant Colonel Bob McGinnis, U.S. Army retired, the author of Kings of the East, China's plan to eliminate America and and impose a communist world order. Bob, thank you as always. Thank you, Richard. Have a great day. You too, Bob McGinnis. All right, your phone calls. When we come back, 289-275-9600. It's been a while. Let's chat. 289-275-9600. Back with more of the Richard Serrett Show right here on Saga 960 right after these. The Bull Session continues on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga 960 AM. All right, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. You want to talk about David Johnston, special rapporteur. With a hard no to a public inquiry into Chinese interference in our elections. We can talk about that. Let's say hi to uh, Thomas is calling from Toronto. Thomas, welcome. How are you? Good. How are you, Richard? Yes, very well. Thank you. Yeah, uh, there's an interesting thing. When uh, when uh, Greg Carrasco was newly minted on AM 960, Saga yes. 960, I predicted in March 12, 2022, that the next Prime Minister of Canada would be Michael Chong. <laughs> you, uh, you predicted that on, on Greg's show? Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. 
The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Yes, I did. That was March 12th, 2022, when he was just newly minted on Saga 960. Right. Now, let me move forward here and explain uh, in a roundabout way what I'm talking about. Okay, astrology is interesting because there's good people and bad people from every side. Like, for example, Capricorns. There's, you know, really good Capricorns like yourself and Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin. Oh, I'm, I mean, uh, I'm in the same company as Jimmy Page, all right. <laughs> exactly. But the bad side, literally, ironically, born, born on Christmas Day of 1971 is Justin Trudeau. See, Capricorns can be lazy, but they always show up for work, but they don't like to work, which explains socks and his, you know, pretensions, you know, so. Okay, so let me ask you about Michael Chong. Like, why would you predict he would be the next prime minister of Canada? Well, you know, the interesting thing, he's an honorable man. He's beyond reproach. He was born... No, I believe November 1971. He was a Scorpio, and Scorpio's a, he was an honorable man, but he has a long memory. And I think all this this controversy about foreign meddling, you know, in in Canadian elections is going to basically get get resolved. It'll bring on the next election eventually. So not too far from now, I believe. And then and then there's there's Scorpios. Scorpio, Greg Carrasco, he's really cool, calm, and collected. He was born in, in December of 1971. I mean, uh, December 1971. He's a Sagittarius. They're really cool, calm, and collected, but they can snap. So, hence explaining his jujitsu career. All right. Well, thank you for the crash course in astrology. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Um, Mr. Chong is not going to be the next prime minister. Uh, I mean, he ran for the leadership. Was that the uh, one in 2018 when Andrew Scheer won? I think. Um, I mean, he's decidedly more of a centrist. Um, um, maybe even more, more of a red Tory, but uh, I don't see him becoming the leader, let alone prime minister. And I'm sure he's a, an honorable person. Uh, let's see who else do we have here. Uh, no name, but I'm just going to. Uh, this is they're calling from Toronto, I think. Welcome to the Richard Sarah Show. Hello, uh, Mississauga, actually. Mississauga. Hi. What's your name? First name, Rick. Is Rick. it Rick? It's there Rick. we go. Okay, Rick. What's, what's going on? Well, you know, it, it's amazing how uh, we're taking this whole China thing no, so nonchalantly, mm-hmm. and I, I really don't understand it. I mean. You know, the media, the public, uh, it, it's, you know, if we don't get justice on this matter and we don't get down to the nitty and gritty of this, I don't feel that we have a country, plain and simple. 
I uh, I don't disagree. I th- I mentioned uh, a couple of times on the show that I think it's time for Canada to uh, to have its own. Well, back in the during the Cold War and the Red Scare, they had the um, the Un-American Activities uh, Committee in the House of, in the House, the U.S. House of Representatives. I think we need something like that here in this country, um, and we need. To have a committee with strong subpoena power, we need to get to the bottom of this. I agree. Uh, a public inquiry should be, you know, at the very least, and we can't even get that. So uh, I don't. I, yeah. Sorry, Rick. I, I don't think that's I don't think it's going to be enough. No, no. Um, I think that unless we, we start talking about people protesting in the streets, I, I really don't see this going any further. Yeah, I, I don't see protests happening, widespread protests, as you say. I don't think Canadians uh, are worked up about it enough. I think they're, we're pretty complacent. Um, let's see what happens, though. I have a, um, and thank you for the call. I have a sneaky suspicion that David Johnston has just, um, put into place, um, there's going to be more leaks. I think who's ever behind this at CSIS is going to be so ticked off. I think the whole point of releasing these documents to the to the media was to provide the impetus for a public inquiry. Now, Johnson said there's going to be no public inquiry. I think the CSIS leakers are going to go. They're going to be kicked into high gear. We're going to see a lot more leaks. We're going to see a lot more reports from Sam Cooper and Robert Fife for the Globe and Mail. So uh, let's wait for that. Should be very interesting. All right. When we come back, Bob Unruh from WND will talk about this Trump national security official who says the FBI and the DOJ are uh, intending to rig the 2024 election. Back with that conversation right after these. Just having a little chin wag on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 a.m. All right. Welcome back. A um, national security official under the uh, Donald Trump administration, recently on Fox News, being interviewed by Maria Bartiromo about the uh, John Durham report. This was the special prosecutor who basically concluded that the uh, the FBI, the DOJ, uh, the uh, Clinton campaign all colluded uh, in order to railroad President Trump. And uh, KT McFarlane had some very interesting things. He was the uh, deputy national security advisor under Trump. And uh, here with more, Bob Unruh from WND. Hey, Bob, how are you? I'm okay. Thank you for having me today. My pleasure. Um, so just kind of give us a summary. What When McFarlane says that, uh, I guess, well, we're going to see a repeat of what uh, the DOJ and the FBI and the CIA did to Trump in 2015, right through until 2020. We're going to see a repeat of that. Is that the idea? Well, yeah, she, she the way she's um, laid out her comments. Um, there are there are several components, and one is the, the what has happened in the past, and uh, we now know we now see evidence of a lot of what we did not see, you know, in 2016 and 2020. Um, and then she points out that there's been essentially no repercussions against any of the key players, the highest muckety mucks who were involved in any of this. And then she brings into the fact that while I'm not saying that anybody would or should be convicted of any criminal charges, there certainly would be evidence that could suggest an investigation in that uh, regard. And uh, her quote was, I'm reading from, from her quote now, 
those individuals have to be terrified that a Republican president comes in in the 2024 election with a Republican attorney general, investigates them, and charges them all with the crimes they've committed over the last eight years, end of quote. And that would probably would be a pretty powerful incentive for those people who have interfered in the election to use a common phrase um, in 2016 and 2020, that probably would be an incentive for them to uh, keep doing it. Uh, it, it does such a creature exist in Washington, a Republican uh, um, district attorney that would be um, or attorney general, rather, that would be willing to do that. Well, that that is entirely to be seen if in case that situation develops. We know that there were some there was a lot of hanky panky going on in the 2016 election election. Those uh, people, there were there were only a couple of people charged in relatively minor offenses. Um, but that didn't happen until uh, President Trump was out of office because of the disinformation and obfuscation and hiding that went on for all of those years that President Trump was in office. Um, we did not have the evidence. We did not have the investigations completed. We did not have the Durham report at that time. So, yes, um, it's, a, it's a valid and it's a good question. Would it ever happen or should it ever happen or could it ever happen? And all of those, I can't provide any answers to any of those right now because we have to wait to see what the what happens in the election, who is elected, and who is making those decisions at that point. Well, I guess um, if the uh, the Democrats can you know prevent that ha- happening before an election, uh, I guess that is that's going to come down to uh, the uh, the remaining indictments against. Uh, President Trump, the one in uh, Georgia. I'm not sure whether that's going to where that's going. Uh, and then there's, of course, the uh, the January 6th uh, in, indictments. Um, do you think it's it it, it would be um, that it's likely that that they would try and 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 uh, prevent Trump from running by I don't know jailing him or. Um, I don't know, getting uh, a bunch of states to take him off the ballot, ruling him invalid to run? Well, that's already being attempted. The, there are already requests uh, from Democrats in Democrat um, majority states um, that they want the secretaries of state in those in those respective jurisdictions to take Trump off the off the ballot for various reasons. That's that's already being done. Whether there would be any further efforts, we don't know. Um, it seems unlikely um, that they would go so far as to uh, create. And you have to understand that if you look into the evidence that it, that these indictments and these cases that are being developed are based on, um, they are extremely political. I'm not saying that Trump never said the wrong word when he was talking to an investigator or something like that. I don't have access to all of that. We know that um, there are um, politicians who have been very influential in those investigations to date, and we'll just have to wait and see what does develop. But if we look at what did happen, um, Americans should probably be um, rather concerned we do know now, based on the evidence in 2016, all of that talk about the Trump campaign and Russian collusion, that was all a figment of creation, <laughs> excuse me, on the part of the Hillary Clinton campaign 
and the FBI and the DOJ. There was no evidence supporting any of those claims. As a matter of fact, if you look at the evidence, the claims against Trump uh, made about his collusion with Russia were based on evidence that Hillary Clinton's hirelings got from Russian sources. So the Russian collusion was on the other side of the campaign. Yet that was successfully in our justice system for years. This was not just uh, make an allegation and, and it's gone next month. This went on for years. Right. And meanwhile, the FBI, as you point out in your article, uh, Bob, uh, dropped four, four investigations into uh, Hillary Clinton. So we have the, uh, again, the unequal application of the law. We'll uh, take a quick time out. Bob Unruh from WND. WND.com. Support independent media. Back with more in a moment. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. And a few minutes remain with Bob Unruh, journalist at WND.com. WND.com. We're talking about a recent interview on Fox News with a uh, former national security official under the uh, Trump administration who uh, told the interviewer that the FBI and the DOJ are intending to rig the 2024 election just as they did um, back in uh, in 2016 and again in 2020. Um, the uh, the 51 uh, or 50 intelligence leaders that signed that letter saying that the, yeah. the laptop was uh, the Hunter laptop uh, was Russian propaganda. And that seems to be uh, done at the behest of the secretary of state, Tony Blinken. Um, any thoughts about whether the House might um, uh, begin impeachment proceedings for for Blinken? Or I mean, I, I believe they're thinking about introducing them for for FBI leader uh, or, uh, Director Ray, are they not? Correct. Um, there have been several individuals in Congress who already have introduced articles of impeachment regarding uh, Christopher Wray, uh, Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, and assorted other officials. And uh, it's it's a gut level reaction. It has not risen to the level of of being um, part of the House agenda at this point. Um, um, Speaker McCarthy would have a great deal to say about whether those you know, are at some point considered. You have to realize, though, that the House can impeach a president virtually with no evidence and on very, very short notice. That's what they um, they did the second time with, with President Trump. This is after January 6th, and they only had days before he was out of office. They were trying to impeach him before he left office. And so they uh, voted through uh, articles of impeachment without evidence. They had no testimonies, no evidence, so they just approved it, and and of course that ultimately failed anyway. Um, but there there are no formal plans yet that have been announced. No formal acknowledgement of a of a strategy to pursue impeachment. Although there are individual members who are uh, very dedicated to uh, to pursuing pursuing that as one of their actions. Um, what do you make of this? Uh, the, the committee uh, that was formed uh, on the weaponization of government. I mean, have, have they? Have they done anything significant at this point? They're the ones that are um, are revealing a lot of the information. They're the ones to whom these whistleblowers are talking. And we have to realize that that, uh, some of these whistleblowers have some very, very valuable information. That's where we found out that those four Clinton investigations were uh, concluded right during the run-up to the, the, the campaign and the election in 2016. 
Um, and then the inf- interference in 2020, uh, you mentioned before the the um, so-called intelligence officials who had that letter about the laptop being Russian disinformation. Um, we now know that all of those officials knew at the time they wrote the letter that the Biden laptop was, in fact, authentic and the, that they knew they were purveying false information to the American public. The bottom line on that is that um, a Media Research Center poll after the election showed a percentage of Democrats who voted for Joe Biden would not have voted for him had they known about that information. Of course, you you realize that the FBI instructed social and legacy media to suppress that information. Yes. A lot of people didn't know. But anyway, there were enough that would have dropped their support for Joe Biden that he would have lost several of those swing state votes. What would that have done to the election? You know, everything is if at this point, uh, what if, but it's very likely that uh, that Joe Biden would not have been elected had that information. And, and if that isn't direct and palpable um, election interference, you know, I'm not I'm not sure what would have to qualify then. Would that rise to the level of treason or sedition? <laughs> um, that would I'll, I'll leave that to the lawyers to determine the actual definitions. Um, but if you take an, a layman's perspective that. Um, has Joe Biden, with his policies, his economy, the 9.1% inflation, the open borders, the the 5.3 million illegal aliens who have come into the country, has that damaged the country? And if you come up with a yes answer there, then that would lead to your question uh, being considered. What what of the the 50 intelligence leaders who knowingly signed that letter, um, which is tantamount to election interference, would that be... Uh, would that rise to the level of treason? Well, you would have to go through that same evaluation again. Was there damage from their letter? Did they knowingly write? Um, and and we're, we're pretty sure from the evidence now that they knew that the laptop was a valid, legitimate laptop carrying accurate information when they wrote the letter warning off the American public. So we don't know. Um, you know, I'm not a judge. I'm not a lawyer. And I, I kind of hesitate to deliver those types of legal um, um, uh, opinions. Um, but there is certainly a case that um, uh, many people could uh, would believe could be reviewed. Uh, imagining a, a Trump victory in 2024 and um, maybe fantasizing about him appointing General Michael Flynn as head of the FBI. Uh, how worried should Hillary Clinton be uh, under such a scenario? Well, to be honest, I don't think there is the same um, personal antipathy and antagonism among many of the Republican leaders to destroy individuals on the opposing side as there has been on the Democrat side. They have been dedicated to destroying uh, Donald Trump. Um, when Trump was in office for the first time, he could have he could have, based on, on what he did know, he could have pursued uh, counts against against several or multiple Democrats. He did not. So my guess, this is only a, a, a layman's uh, guess, is that there would not be a lot. And it probably, you know, it would be, uh, you know, it's in the past. How much time do you want to spend instead of improving the country, instead of working to solve problems, do you want to go rake up the past events, past actions, and try and put them in a, uh, in a legal framework? 
All right. Um, well, we'll look forward to 2024 with great interest. Bob Andrew is a journalist with, <clears throat> excuse me, WND, support independent media, WND.com. Bob, thank you so much for all of your insights. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. That is it for me. My thanks to Jody, Declan, and Jacob. And I'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again, God willing. I'll speak with you at 4 p.m. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and overpolicing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.